part of what has been lost in the culture of the kingdom is there, the church no longer as a whole receives apostles. And as a consequence, there is no connection in the moment, in the present day, between the mouth of God and the ear of the people. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. How shall they hear unless there is a preacher? How shall he preach unless he be sent? Sent one, apostolos, is the one commissioned by God in every generation, not just an individual, but many of the same gifting, to bring the word of the Lord to that generation and to update the revelation of the mysteries for that generation. Listen to Paul from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 5. Mysteries which for ages past were kept hidden, but now have been revealed to God's holy apostles and prophets. And even the word of Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 23 verse 33. 34. I am sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you the truth, all this will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I would have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The church today revels in a form of government that is not biblical. The church revels in democracy. In fact, it's nearly inconceivable that most of the expressions of church today would exist but for a, a notion of the democratic ideal, which is that the consumers decide the form and order of the government they'll come under. Everyone is racked with this particular problem. The Roman church today in America is increasingly distant from Rome because of the strength of its monetary contributions and the openness of its society. It demands that Rome make changes 
to permit what is common and popular and acceptable in American society as a whole. Um, in the Methodist Church, one of their more recent international conferences uh, focused upon having the uh, the United States play a lesser role because in as much as the United States represents the major source of financial contributions to the overall international or global Methodist Church, it has wielded a degree of power under which uh, and doctrines to accompany it under which the international Methodist community is chafing and so on and so forth. The, the, the Episcopal Church um, is wanting to keep in step with the basis of the notions of mankind within the American context and has gone forward to inaugurate a homosexual bishop and enmeshed itself, mired itself in the accompanying controversy to where now social justice has become the primary agenda of most of the ecclesiastical movements older than a hundred years. And a modern megachurch is little more than a cult of personalities that will give in to the forces of the marketplace because they are creatures of the marketplace. One of the largest of these megachurches was actually created pursuant to a market survey. And their authors, their preachers are as apt to write best-selling books in the society, which books do not require a, particular, a reader to be even a believer in order to find uh, an appeal of these books to the unregenerate alongside those who are who are and who, those who claim to be Christians because their messages are market driven messages and that's when preachers can write bestsellers of pop psychology it's not rocket science the content that is distinctly transcendent is what is deficient. It's been so so reduced that even the unspiritual mind could, without becoming spiritual, could fully identify with what has been said. That's because nothing is being spoken into the earth today from the mouth of God. Preachers run the gamut from telling you simply that God loves you and wants you to live your best life now but do not require you to come and to submit to Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus is often persona non grata. God is often talked about, Jesus very rarely, because Jesus is more, uh, more direct than, than a gospel foundationed in a government of democracy will permit. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. No one has access to the Father except by me. That's why the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
gospel of Jesus Christ, the exclusive access to the Father, is being widely discarded in an attempt to create global consensuses between religious groups and by powerful individual groups and individuals themselves who are leaders of these groups are attempting to find that marketable commodity of religion. These would-be reconcilers of mankind will discard Jesus and come up with an alternative philosophy by which everyone could, quote, get along. They will be as readily discarded by Jesus as they were willing to discard him. That's not a prophecy alone, that's a promise. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. That's because we have, the church today does not accept as a general and widespread perspective that there are those sent by God who speak for God. Not that they are heads of religious groups who are the access to God. I'm not saying that an apostle is someone through whom you have access to God. I'm not saying that. That's what differentiates between what I'm saying and those who set themselves up as the ones through whom people will come to the Father. No, there is no other way to the Father but by the Lord Jesus Christ. So there must be an actual relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's the result of an apostolic gospel. The gospel that comes by an apostle is the gospel that brings this truth to mankind. So on one hand, Jesus would say, you've killed these whom I have sent, and therefore you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name, which means by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a huge difference between those who speak for God and the notion that you can only come to God through these individuals. The, the churches, the Roman church is the primary model, uh, that say, unless you come through this way, you cannot come to the Father. No, it was not that Jesus set up some means by which another may stand in his place. It is that he sends his message for every season through those messengers for that season. So the messenger, when his message is heard, restores or promotes or reestablishes the relationship between the individual and Christ. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. So to belong to the body, you have to be connected to the head. Now, the message that connects you to the head is an apostolic message. Now, the importance of the apostolic message is that it is the thing that God is saying at the time 
which largely represents the revealing of a mystery that was once spoken but now is about to be revealed. The mystery that existed previously was when God spoke the reality but did so as a type and a shadow. In short, God set up some form in the Old Testament but that form, or even in the New Testament, that form was not the fullness but it was meant to be like light on the path. The kingdom has come, the kingdom is coming and the kingdom will come. That simply means the initiation of that which is the kingdom in the earth, though it is full, it is not complete. In other words, there's nothing that, is, that the kingdom is in the earth presently that needs to be improved upon. It's like a child is completely a child. It's not a child with missing limbs, not a child that will subsequently develop other uh, organs. All of those are present, but they need to be developed to their fullness. So the kingdom made its advent in the earth on the day of Pentecost in all of its fullness, but not in all of its completeness. In the same way that a child is fully a human being, but not an adult. That child will become an adult over time. The kingdom is fully the kingdom, but will be revealed as the mysteries that once were the ways God presented the truth veiled, now become the reality, the heavenly reality replacing the veiled truth. The heralds, the heralds, the ones who announce the day of the Lord, the day when the reality or the shadow and the type, gives way to the reality. Those heralds are apostolic. And when they speak, what happens is the seasons change because they're sent in proper season to reveal the word of the Lord for that season. And when that season changes, with it there comes a different economy. What do I mean by all of that? Well, first let's backtrack. When an apostle, when the, when the word of the Lord is coming through an apostle, it is the mandate of God for a new season. It is something that God once revealed by type and shadow, but now he's going to reveal actually. An example. In the Old Testament, after Adam sinned, he continued to live in creation for nearly another thousand years. And for nearly a thousand years after Adam sinned, every generation of man born into the earth was either directly or indirectly influenced by Adam. The question is, why? Why? The answer is, Adam was useful to establish a way of life that would set a pattern by which man would subsequently understand the purpose of God 
to restore man to God. That form of human society, that order of human relationships that Adam was useful to inaugurate and to maintain was called a patriarchal system. In that time, the patriarchal system was based in the fact of being descended in the flesh from another. In other words, the father was your natural father. And the length of life of Adam, 960 years, was to indicate that God intended to build transgenerationally. So the decline of of man at first was very slow because although Adam sinned, the order of God continued to arrange human society in a way of maintaining order and showing that God was still the father of man, God still loved man, and that eventually God would turn the heart of man back to God as his father. That was the gospel in antiquity. But the whole, the entire functioning of it was natural. As in Adam was the father of, and, and so-and-so was the father of, and so-and-so was the father of. The entire genealogical structure was traced out in terms of natural, natural heritage. So there was a message there. The message was, eventually, God would restore or turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. But that was meant to be that God would restore spiritual fathers who would be able to lead their spiritual children in the ways of God, whether these spiritual children were also their natural children or complete strangers to them. Now, God said that a time would come when he would do this very thing, when he would restore the hearts of the fathers to the children. When that time came, God would have to put in the earth a desire in the hearts of fathers, of men, to become spiritual fathers, and a desire in the hearts of of those who would be their children to want to have these spiritual fathers. They'd have to be both. God would have to change the environment of the earth, the spiritual environment of the earth, to accomplish that. Now, I'm ahead of myself because I want to talk about fellowship in the next set of of discussions. So I'll revisit this very principle. But what I'm observing today is that there is a generation that's obsessed with the physical well-being of their children. They they research to buy the best car seats, uh, the best strollers, the best monitors, uh, the best, they, they want to know whether to have their children inoculated or not. They want to know what's the best food to feed them and who produces it and all of those things. Their entire emphasis is on the natural. 
because they have themselves not been fathered. But it's saying that God has disposed the hearts of an entire generation of people to both want to father and to want to be fathered. Now, the generation of their parents was characterized by a stunning selfishness and a desire not to father. They would give them money, they would give them things, but they would not make themselves available. And when their children messed up or didn't do what was right, they abandoned them. Sometimes the children were doing perfectly fine, but they'd abandon their wives or the wives would abandon husbands. And divorce was rampant. The net result of which was a fatherless generation. When the time comes for God to restore that scripture that goes back to how Adam established a patriarchal order that continued not just to the flood, but continued after the flood, continued throughout the rule and reign of Abraham, continued in part through the time of the Jews, and sometime after that was lost. That was the order of human society. But it was a physical order meant to bring in, in the appropriate time, this spiritual order that we're speaking about. When that time came, God would give grace for that to happen in the earth. That is, God would predispose both the hearts of fathers and the hearts of children to receive this grace from heaven. This grace from God is what actually accomplishes that which was in the mind of God to do. And this grace from God is first announced by the apostolic. That is why it isn't that once the message has been preached or written down in the Bible, that now all you have to do is read the Bible and you'll get what's written in the Bible. No, it's much more than that. These things are written for our learning, that we, through patience and the comfort of what the scriptures say, might have hope to see the fulfillment of the things that the scriptures did say. Romans 15 verse 4, the things that were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. These things that were written contained an element of hope to them. Faith, you see, is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that we do not yet see. But the hope arises, faith arises, by hearing from God, hearing from the mouth of God. And that word that comes that produces faith, that the thing that you once hoped for is now the now the, the reality of the earth. That comes by a messenger from God. And if if we do not receive that messenger when he comes, then we're not receiving the thing God has sent. And what we're doing now becomes desolate because 
something new, namely the reality, has replaced the type and the shadow. God will not at the same time do two separate or distinct things that relate to the same matter. Either God is working on the type and the shadow, or God is working on the type of the, re- on the reality. He will not simultaneously produce both the copy and the, and the reality. Hebrews tells us that the things in the earth that are copies of heavenly things, and that they remain that way until the realities themselves appear. Look at this from Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 says, verse 1, The law is a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. And they, meaning the priests, serve at a sanctuary. This is from Hebrews 8, uh, verse um, 4, verse 5. They serve at a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. And it goes on to say, as long as the copy or the shadow remains, the reality has not come. When the reality comes, it replaces the copy. Now, if you insist on continuing to function in the copy, when the reality has come, the grace has moved from the type and the shadow, and now is vested with the reality. If you're still trying to maintain type and shadow, when the reality has come, then you are both out of the will of God and out of the economy of God. But Because God will sustain what God is doing, and whereas yesterday God was doing one thing, if today he's doing something else, if you do not change when the seasons change, then you're out of the will of God, even though yesterday you were central in the will of God. See, I I will get into this in the next broadcast. I will talk about the economy of grace that comes to support the initiative of God. So then a preacher, an apostle who comes to preach this word, is a herald speaking forth heavenly things in the earth on the cue of heaven. That is, the heavenly cue is how he's speaking, is what he's speaking. Why then did the early church need the apostles? The early church needed the apostles in order to know what heaven was doing, and therefore what they are to be doing. The early apostles changed the Jewish mindset to understand that God was now speaking to the Gentiles, and the church needed to change. Without apostles, you cannot stay current with the will of God. And the faith that is supposed to direct you will, re- will not be available to you, and therefore you'll continue under the type and the shadow. Let's continue to talk about this. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine we'll discuss further what the Apostles' Doctrine is and the relevance of it. I'm Sam Solon, 
Join me for these continuing discussions. I'll see you then.